This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debate. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today, my guest on Off the Shelf is Bill Gormley. Bill is the president of the Gormley Group. He also serves as a Chairman of the Coalition for Government Procurement, and we're gonna, you know, do a roundup of some of the key procurement issues going on right now. Um, some of them you folks have probably heard about before because there's a continuing story here, and maybe talk a little bit about um, the Coalition for Government Procurement's recent spring conference. And so, first of all, Bill, welcome to the show. Thank, thank you. you, thank you. And you mentioned the spring training conference. I just want to give you and staff and uh, all the all of you who have participated kudos on this successful conference a hybrid conference so right successful yeah well thanks bill appreciate yeah. it and it was uh you know it was a team effort and you know and i've got a great team so or the coalition yeah. has a great team so very thankful for that and thankful for all the government folks who participated and lended their expertise and you know, provided updates on their programs and also, of course, all the, you know, the attendees and the companies who supported the event. We really appreciate uh, all the engagement. And uh, to your point, it was a hybrid conference where you could be in person or you could, you know, watch from your home base. And uh, I think that was uh, really well received across the board. It gave people flexibility because we had, we actually did have situations where, you know, the first day the person was able to come come in person and then something came up, you know, a family event or emergency and they were still able to, you know, view the conference after taking care of, you know, the, whatever issue they had. Um, but, but, you know, couldn't make it in person, but could still attend virtually. So yeah, sure. lots of positive feedback on that. But uh, one of the issues that uh, people talked about uh, consistently throughout the spring conference, whether it's in different sessions or um, around the, uh, you know, water cooler, so to speak, is, uh, you know, inflation and the impact on government contractors and in particularly the economic price adjustments, uh, you know, policy changes and implementation at the, under the schedules program. And I know that's something that you work with quite a bit, Bill, and I wanted to get your thoughts on that what you're seeing, yeah. what's going on. Yeah, and I think the uh, uh, deputy commissioner brought this up in his speech, Roger, at least towards the end anyway, about in GSA's recognition of, of the, the inflation, the economic strain on, on industry and so forth and others. They, as GSA, had taken action on um, <laughs> streamlining the EPA uh, approval process was above 10%. And um, and I applaud them for taking that action. And yeah, I think this would fall under the unintended consequences where I think that the basic action GSA, for our listeners, the basic action GSA took was to streamline the, the uh, approval authority um, for economic price adjustment. I think it was above 10%. And, um, 
And to be quite honest with you, we're we're seeing just the opposite. And as much as I don't want to say that because I wanted it to streamline, but it seems like where it goes from now, the contracting officer instead of the head of the head of the contracting activity goes to the contracting officer to the supervisor. And I think the supervisors uh, are just having great for whatever reason, uh, great difficulty in approving EPAs. We had unfortunately we have one situation where you know, uh, we've had a one of our employees have actually gone through a whole pregnancy and had had a baby since they submitted their initial EPA. You put it in those terms, but it's, it's been over nine months. And uh, and you know, well, it sounds a little cute, but if you're the company that that's that's waiting to get to get some type of financial relief, it's devastating. And um, in fact, they have another. EPA requests following this one once it, once it, if it ever gets approved because I think there's a time limit on this uh, authority that temporary authority they put out and get it, it's over at the end of the fiscal year which is that's correct which right. which will be a, a year for one, one particular company and so I think I think uh, something needs I know they've done they say they've done training internally so Roger I don't know if it's now that the supervisor who bears the who bears what may be the you know, someone may questioning, but uh, I don't know. There's, there seems that there's something there that's preventing the kind of the supervisors from uh, assuming the responsibility and, and acting on it in a timely, in a timely fact, timely uh, fashion. And um, number one and number two, it's just you know, it, it's real. So I think it's unfortunately you know ingrained in the contracting community. You know, not to increase prices by nature, and here and here, here you have the inflation with a lot of people coming to, in this case, GSA and the schedules program because you know, in, in some cases, I'm gonna get into the name, but some companies um, are not accepting orders for GSA's customers because they're gonna lose money, and they have EPA right. requests on. So GSA is not only affecting their, unbeknownst to them, you know, a, a negative financial impact on their their. Uh, contractor relationship, but also on their customer base, where eight, some companies are not taking orders, and that's right. that's the only, the only way that they can they can uh, you know can, can make it. So yeah, that yeah. Well, Bill, I have to tell you, that's um, a new one for me. That um, <laughs> the the gestation period just for a for a, a human being <laughs> it was shorter than. You know the processing of uh, yeah. EPA requests during you know high you know forty year high inflation. So I'd right. say, I think that's right. a that's a new one on me. I mean that's very that's symbolic. Maybe we could create some sort of picture with the nine months period and you know the the race or I don't, whatever I don't know. But, yeah, well we, uh, we 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 have the picture of the newborn, so maybe we'll make her a poster right. child for EPA right. or something. Right. Yeah, I, I won't get into her name right now. But anyway. Right, right, yeah. So, uh, but. But along those, you know, yeah. this, this, but you know, all kidding aside, this is a huge issue for companies because you, 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 know, I hear about it too. Companies are not accepting orders or canceling items off the contract, and even the policy that GSA issued, which I think was, you know, well thought out and laid out in terms of yeah. you know eliminating, um, you know, the the ceiling, providing a streamlined approach to approval above the ceiling, you know. Eliminating limits on the requests that you could ask for during a twelve-month period—all those things—but it also said, you know, it made it and acknowledged that you that GSA would be willing to, and to move forward and add items back on the contracts 
that had been canceled off because companies literally tell me that in some situations they would lose money on each item purchased because their acquisition cost is higher. Just the flat acquisition cost, not all the other inflation issues in it, is higher than than the price on on the government contract. And that there lies the, uh, you know, you're a company and people would argue, well, you got a contract obligation to accept orders and deliver, right? Or we don't have an obligation to put ourselves out of business. So that's, right. uh, so, you know, not, you know, I, I know we, we, we get on these themes, Roger, and it's, it's hopefully that it's hopefully it's being received by the government in particular as feedback to, to address something that needs to be addressed in regards to their partnership in this case with, uh, with their industry partners. Yeah, I'm. Um, you know, I think, you know, there's. I think they still got a ways to go in terms of training and creating sensitivity about the issue. And you know, this isn't about ripping the taxpayer off or anything <laughs> like that. This, to your point, this is yeah. for small businesses, yeah. you know, who are trying to operate and support the federal customer. It's a matter of, you know, life and death from their from a business perspective. Yeah. I mean we have we have an example where a small business actually went out of business trying to get their EPA done. I mean that that's how long it took. And they got bought by a, an other than small company and that company is going to go and create create the new items under this under their contract and it's going to be at a higher price than the company was that the small business was selling uh, to the government prior. So I mean you know, there's there's the reality here, and you know, business is going to do what it can to stay to stay alive. And in this case, the person that had to go out of business to, uh, you know, to just to, to get out from underneath of it. And in, in in it's a sad situation. Everything was made in America too, which the administration. I think if some of this got back to people in the administration from the small businesses, it's having a dramatic, dramatic uh, negative impact on all companies, but in particular small businesses. Yeah, it, might, it sounds like it's a situation where the company wanted to remain viable and work, yes. but they saw no other alternative, given right. you know their, their their government customer and what was happening. So, yep. well, yep. Bill, you know this is this you know sort of bleeds or or transitions or segues right into our next issue, which we can talk start talking about in the next segment, um, maybe, and you know, and that is the industrial base and. The fact that there's studies out there that show that the industrial base has shrunk over the last 10 years, and in particular, the number of small businesses participating in the federal market. And I know that's a huge focus of the Biden administration. So when we come back, we'll, we'll talk a little about that. What does that, what does that look like and, and what can be done or not done, and you know, maybe in the context of EPAs as well. So my guest today is Bill Gormley. He is the president of the Gormley Group and Chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement, I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Bill Gormley. He's the president of Gormley Group, chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. And um, last segment, we talked a lot about economic price adjustments and, you know, the processing of those. Um, You know, GSC issued a pretty flexible policy. And, but in the, you know, in, a, in, in one of those, you know, unintended consequences, some of it's turned into me actually making it more, not necessarily the policy itself, but just the decision making and implementation at operational level. I don't, hasn't, I think, I think it's fair to say, is hasn't uh, quite, a, 
achieve the goals and the spirit of the acquisition letter that was issued to streamline the process. Um, and that has impact on small businesses, Bill. And, you know, this segment, we're going to talk a little bit about that industrial base. And I'll start by just, you know, I did an interview with Moshe Schwartz, the president of Etherton and Associates, you know, um, this month um, in June and for the show. And we talked a lot about, um, you know, uh, the study that uh, and paper that Moshe Schwartz and Michelle Johnson, Michelle was uh, as a communications manager, acquisition research program at the Naval Postgraduate School. Um, and they did an article, the slow destruction of the defense industrial base. And the article, you know, has some, some startling statistics on the reduction in, you know, the number of contracts going to small business, uh, from DOD it decreased 43% over a 10 year period, uh, from FY 2011 to 220. And also the overall, you know, um, decline in industry participation in the government marketplace, you know, the, you know, in, in that, in, that over the last 10 years, in contrast to the growth in GDP and um, in the growth in number of businesses in the United States, um, you know, that, 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 you know, it's sort of is that opposite to the reduction in the number of companies participating in, in the federal market. And, you know, the article is very interesting. It has identifies a lot of causes uh, and things that that are symptomatic of a of a overly burdened, complex you know marketplace. Um, but I just you know you you come at it from a different lens and what you deal with more commercial item contracting that sort of thing. I just get your thoughts. Yeah, I think the uh, you know when when folks when we talk to folks in this kit in this regard to your point, Roger, small businesses. You know, they the one thing on their mind is they only have so much time and resources. You know, and how much is how how much of an effort is it to, you know, to get on contract? You know, what are, what are some of the compliance? Compliance is things they understand once they've agreed to that then then they know what they're getting into, so to speak. But it's really the onboarding process, and I think you know a lot of folks, you know, me included, and I know you as well as you know, administrators. Confirmation. She brought up the fact. That it takes companies a long time to get on schedule. And so we're very interested in that. She's taken a lot of steps to, to move that forward. And, you know, we're you know, yet to see any real streamlining, to be quite honest with you, uh, at the, you know, at the, at the, where the tires meet the road in the real world. So, you know, people are talking about it a lot and things are underway. But I got to be honest with you, it's, you know, we have folks that we've talked to who just, they, they can't, they just don't have the resources that some people would say, well, then they're, therefore they don't qualify for federal government. I think that would be unfair. I think, I think they would want to have as many small businesses, the administration is pushing for it, you know, made in America and all this is, you know, there, it's a big push by the administration. And I think that's, uh, and GSA has the intent. You know, and not to go back to our earlier segment, but with the intent on EPA also. So something's missing here to to get to get it at a, a working area. I, you know, my, my terms of boiler room. You know, get it down there where where everything actually occurs that above sees sees positive results. And and I think maybe uh, see people are seeing where the skills program has grown quite a bit, and people may view from the top that hey, that means everything's a well-oiled machine, and just 
you know, taking the automotive sense, it still doesn't mean that you don't get a tune up once in a while or pay attention to your car. I think there, there's some attention that needs to be paid to the program. And that's not to fault anybody. We're, I think, hopefully the point of the show here, Roger, is to get, get the word out of what what's happening from a op- pure operational level. Yeah. I think, um, I, yeah, I, it seems to me, and your point about tune-ups is, is uh, well taken. I think it's you know a good way to another good analogy. And you know the last segment we had our uh, you know pregnancy <laughs> analogy in the nine month period uh, gestation period. Gestation. But, um, yeah, uh, but uh, you know it just uh, and, you know because and even just looking at the data, like for example, like there's lots of conversations with GSA about the average mod time. And it's, you know, looks, you know, on the surface, it looks really good, like 10 days, 13 to 14 days. But I think, you know, to do a deeper dive, you've got to divide that up. Like what's purely administrative, you know, whether it's, you know, changing someone, your negotiator or some other, you know, address or something like that versus, you know, substantive changes that involves adding new product, negotiating price. You know, those are two very, very different things. And there's lots more of the administrative ones and less of the, you know, pure, you know, the ones that are substantive in nature um, and, and have cardinal influence on a contract. So, you know, from that perspective, are they looking at those differences? Are they examining the timeframes of each? Are, you know, is it a good record in both or are there areas where that could be improved? Things like that, I think is a conversation that I think GSA should start having with its, with its industry partners, because you always hear about it, the low you know number of days, but let's peel back the onion or get down in the boiler room and see what that looks like. Um, you know, I get your thoughts, just, you know, commercial item contract back in, in the heyday, you know, when you were, you know, in the schedules program, commercial item contract really came into being the Federal Acquisition Streamlining Act of 1994. It's almost 30 years um, since that was enacted, you know, there's lots of reform, national performance review, the whole idea of entrepreneurial government, I think, was frankly born during that period. Lots of test cases, pilots, different things done. Is it kind of time? I mean, it seems to me, you know, since that time, we've sort of slowly, inevitably rolled things back to, you know, to where it was in, you know, 1993 or 1992 before that Federal Acquisition Streamlining Act. Do you, do you sense that? I think the uh, we, we, we gave the childbirth analysis. We gave the auto analysis. I mean, I'll, I'll stick with auto before we go to construction or something. But the, well, I know uh, you're a car guy, so yeah. So anyway, I think I I feel that based on what we're seeing uh, in contracting, and this is not only a GSA. So I just you know, so I'll, I'll go a little bit beyond that because but there's cause there's common out here. I think it, it's important for management to, to start not just looking at, to your point, the 13 days on average to do a mod. You know, a senior person at, in, at the, during a conference told me at GSA, and, and I think they were shocked that I that I didn't respond. <laughs> and I said, what? And they're like, well, Bill, don't you agree with that? And I'm like, I, I don't know what you're looking at, but I can tell you that, you know, uh, where 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 we interface with with your folks and others that that's not the case to your earlier point, Roger. And I think that's kind of commercial contracting. You have to constantly be tinkering and tuning your organization constantly throughout, top to bottom. And I think that's 
I think there's a couple steps that have been missed or that are missing now and that. And I think, you know, when someone says they're having not a, a good day or or has an example, I think people are just viewing that that's a one off. And I think the one offs are are accumulating now to it, it, you know, reach the point where we're now, now it's a subject line. And I think that's when I think may hopefully management, um, you know, listen to this show or feedback from from your conference uh, last week, Roger. Take it to heart, and 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 a lot of times it's it's no one's doing anything intentionally. It's for it's a, for a lack of several different reasons. But the cumulative fact effect is that the performance is is not going up, and in many areas it's it's uh, you know whether it's training or what, but it's prolonging the time to get a task done. That from a commercial, getting back to your point in the. Commercial contracting is meant to be as simple as possible. I mean, yeah, there, there's requirements, but the, the schedules program of all the acquisition programs in government is the most agile program to accept commercial practices. I mean, the, and I know people would kind of like may not totally agree with it, but it's a 30 day out for either party. I mean, if it was the worst nightmare. <laughs> But either party can get out of the relationship. So it's not, it's an, it's an obligation of commitment. It's basically what it is to make it work, but it's not an obligation to put, to put a company out of business either. So I think there's, there has to be a balance here. And I think that balance that Fulcrum has, has moved to the point where it's harder to get industry up on, on this, on this, I gotta go to seesaw now. You get to get to get a balance here, and, and industry's down, and the government's on top of it, and it's just it's hard. It's just hard right now to to do a lot of things that should be straightforward. You know, employ. I think the employee evaluations, and you know, may not appear to be a, a factor here, but you know, we have many instances where employees ask us to do things offline now, so they so the evaluation period is is, is shorter when the action actually occurs. So people are doing walk uh, workarounds, and I think those are the things that, if management's not aware of that, that means it's it's management should just should should uh, management needs to tune up. I'll put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, on that note, Bill, we're up at, at the end of the segment, and you know, when you were talking, the one thing I did think about is you know we have that we have a, a poster in our office from 1952 with a bunch of hurdles. You know, from 1952 and talking about all the different requirements of government contracts and basically the punchline says that, you know, you know you're going to have to eliminate some of the hurdles, uncle, if you want timely delivery. And I think that's, you know, that's definitely, a, you know, that's a that's tells you that more things change, the more they say the same. And we go through this periodically in government procurements cliche, but you go, you know, you have the streamlining period, then you have to re-regulate. And then, then you go back to streamlining, and I think it's now time for another streamlining period, especially. Uh, and uh, to to finish up, just you know, if the government wants industry to do more, whether that's more domestic sourcing or near shoring, or if it wants it to pay attention to sustainability and you know environmental impacts, those are all good things. But then, what are you reducing from an operational, you know, business cost? to compensate for those things you just can't keep adding i think what we have now is a period where we're adding more and more process more time to the market time is money and so you lose money can you can't get to the market 
and now you're going to add additional things, which there's merit in them. And, you know, I think a lot of people agree with them, but you've got to adjust to try to get the, to the policy goals you want, okay. I mean, especially with the administration's goal yep. of, uh, you know, increasing small and small disadvantaged business opportunities. It's not, a, you know, to my view, it's not about more set asides. It's about reducing barriers to entry and streamlining things that that will lift the, all boats, but especially small business and small disadvantaged boats. My guest today is Bill Gormley. He's the president of the Gormley Group and chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Bill Gormley, and we're talking about many different things. We're talking about the industrial base, economic price adjustments, you know, the, the shrinking of the industrial base, and the role of streamlining, all these different things, Bill. And I, you know, and, and I cut you off because we had to take the break, but you had some thoughts based on my, my final points in the last segment. Yeah, you mentioned Poster. I want to give, uh, if you don't mind, just a shout out to Nikki Khan, who he, he passed away a few years ago. He was a great acquisition executive in, in, uh, at GSA. And he, he gave me that poster, you know, and, uh, and, and he was an acquisition policy. Well, he was a contracting person. He was an acquisition policy. But, you know, we always kept that poster in front of us to always think of how can we eliminate something. And, and, I, and I'll say, I think it's good to disagree, Roger. All right, I mean, or we're, we're, sure. we're, on radio, we're on radio, so you can't get to me right now. So no, 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 I can't. I think, it, I think, it, I think it's, it's safe to say the government doesn't necessarily have to reduce things to when you're adding other requirements on. But when they add other requirements on, they, they need to acknowledge that it's a burden on government, I mean, on the industry. So the, the, the expectation is and the industry has to be compensated for it. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. And yeah. So and so either way, it's you know if, if if the government needs to add requirements, fine. But there has to be an acknowledgement that that the that to your earlier point, industry is taking on a burden here. So you can only get so much dirt in the truck. I mean, you can't overload right, it, right, or right. or if you're going to overload it, you're going to hook a trailer to the truck, and we're going to pay for the trailer to the truck. I mean, does that? I mean, there's a cost associated with this. Right. And I think it's gotten to the point where. You know, it's it's uh, it's overload. There's an overload here, and in fairness, the contracting. There's so many changes going on. The contracting officers are having a hard time keeping up with the changes. Um, you know, within their swim lane, and that the uh, in many cases, just because of our visibility of things, you know, we're you know we where we end up not training the contracting officers. We have to end up validating our position by sending the, G- the GSA contracting officers GSA policy to prove them this is policy in some cases where you don't have where policy may have affected a change that says you don't need to have, ask for certain information anymore and the contracting officers in some cases positions um, it's new to them number one but I, I still want the information because I'm the contracting officer so that what's the value of, of trying to reduce you know, requirements with the contracting officers won't let go of it and they have the authority not to let go of it. So that that's why it's a continuous tune up. It just you can't just train somebody and virtual training's fine. It, it's that it sounds good. Hey, we just virtually train, you know, whatever number of employees, but you know, how many of them, you know, were actually in front of the computer the whole time and interacting and and many people at GSA were 
extremely complimentary of the conference. And I'm not trying to oversell with you, Roger. Extremely because they haven't seen some people in almost three years from an industry standpoint, and they learned a lot. You had a couple tables there. I think one was VA and one was GSA. They got a tremendous feedback, you know, from directly from industry. And it, and it was good for people to make their points. And hopefully a lot of things we're talking about here, um, the, those GSA folks and VA folks have taken it back to their, their, you know, their, their organizations and are thinking through that. Hopefully they'll be willing to you know, pursue some of the corrective actions there. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, there's, I mean, as we maneuver into the, you know, cliche again, new normal, like it's got, I mean, it, it's going to be hybrid in my view. I mean, cause you, you know, there's advantages and efficiencies to virtual. Um, we saw those in the conference for some people who had circumstances where they couldn't attend at the same time. There's the, the it's invaluable to be able to, you know, just get together with someone or a group and have a meeting where you're face to face and then you can talk and you really get to understand I think much more, you know, where folks are coming from when you do have those kind of conversations. I think an example of that one of the best examples of that is one of your panels. I think we're all we're all government, maybe all GSA folks, and it's the first time they'd seen each other in three years. Right. In person, yeah. In person. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so. yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. COVID's ma- amazing impact. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So um turning to, you know, um, you know, a streamlining effort that I wanted to get your take on where it is right now is the e-commerce uh, pro pilot at GSA. Um, they're about maybe 19 months into it now of a three-year pilot contract and the, where they're testing the e-marketplace model. Um, and, you know, it's, you know, the GSA is now contemplating doing a follow-on procurement. And, you know, I don't know how much you're following that, but I want to get you know, your take on where things are. And it is a, you know, there is opportunity from a systems perspective in particular for streamlining, um, you know, just the way, you know, things are structured. Um, and, you know, its relationship to the schedules program is also kind of interesting. Your thoughts? Well, I think the uh, pick up on the, the administrator's theme uh, that she has for GSA is customer experience. And I think, when you talk about e-commerce, you said e-marketplace, and there's an e-commerce, and there's an e-procurement. So GSA, prior to her coming, defined what I would consider commercially standard of e-commerce. GSA made a decision to divide that that term or that market into three segments, uh, one of which is e-commerce, which is your point, e-market and e-procurement. E, uh, Thinking about the administrator's vision and objective on e, on on customer experience, why don't they just have e-commerce and get back to your commercial model and allow all three of them to 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 uh, to partake in, in in competing for the market like they do commercially? You know, all these people are playing in this e-commerce market commercially right now, and why why only treat one segment or test one segment and you leave in two? Two segments out, and so you're limiting the e-commerce competition. You're and not really giving the government the I would consider it the e-commerce uh, services, and, and I think the customer experience could be confusing. So I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. I mean, I, I know they're they're going to look at to, to 
I don't, I don't know if they're going to open it up or not. I know they're going to have to recompete. So, um, it's, I think it's, th- I think they are going to open it up, and I think I mean just to piggyback on what you said. I mean, even in that context, there's potentials for you know leveraging capabilities together of these quote three different models that they've identified. You know, and just you know to your point, make, making it simpler and access the commercial market because um, I do think there's a lot of streamlining potential through this program that companies are definitely interested in examining and participating in. And I think when you, when you open it up and, you know, and, you know, include commercial marketplace as a whole, I think it raises all boats and it's going to create, create greater opportunity for everybody in that, in that program moving forward to support customers. Because the biggest thing I hear about it is that customer service is a huge focus and, um, and it's, and it's, you know, sort of in it where, you know, from a contractor perspective, as well as a customer perspective, there are some advantages, you know, versus, you know, current government programs. Yeah. I mean, when, when you and I are any, when any of those students, we go on the web and we're looking for something, you know, we don't break it out by e-market. It's all, all the competitor, the competitor, the three competitors that got the current award on there along with what would be considered e-commerce definition of the government so it's like why are we why are we working to create confusion i mean and that and that there's been a lot of time then then having to having to uh, respond to why they made that decision why even go through all right they put themselves in a bad position in a sense right you know be careful right yeah and again that you know just to finish the thought we were talking a lot about streamlining and there's definitely you know Lots of potential yep. here in the e- e-commerce program for streamlining uh, moving forward to support the gov- uh, government's mission. You know, Bill, we're up on the break, and when we come back, we're going to finish up the show. Um, you know, and I, I know there's a couple issues that you wanted to talk about. I guess one of them is the mirage of competition in the context of BPAs or multiple board IDIQs, where you know there's this requirement to submit task order responses. You know, you know, for the, by the contractors, and what does that really say about competition in the federal market? Um, and then maybe a little bit about best-in-class contracting. My guest today is Bill Gormley. He is the president of the Gormley Group and the chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guest today is Bill Gormley. He's the president of the Gormley Group, chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. Uh, Bill, um, I know this is one that I know you definitely wanted to talk about today, and that's um, you know this this growing practice, and it's not just at GSA. There's ITES that has a requirement, uh, technology contract at DoD, to that contractors on the contract are required to submit, like let's say. In the Ascend BPA, they have a number of 75%. 75% of the time, they have to submit a proposal for or, or 75% of the task orders, they have to submit a proposal, regardless of the merits of the underlying requirement or their interest in competing for it. And ITES, like I mentioned, is one that has it. There's other contracts, multiple board IDIQs that include this competition requirement or, you know, the you know, and it just it smacks me as so, so fundamentally inconsistent with competition. Uh, what's your thoughts? Well, I think this is an example of when the government 
feels they don't get what they want, um, then they then they make it a requirement. And I, and I think from a perception standpoint, and so, you know, in our daily life, yeah, you know, for me, just it, a lot of this evolves around our daily lives. We talked about e-commerce, all those stuff earlier. Same thing. There are instances where we may, as a consumer, go to someone and they can't meet our needs or they don't want to participate. And if you ask them why, they're like, well, you know, we're we're not able to right now or, or we, we just can't get to it. So we're telling you that. In other words, don't, you can't force it on someone, to, re, in this case, to respond. I think it's like one of the discussions, I think it was like 75% 75 of the time you have to respond to a requirement. And, and, and that you're just the unintended consequences, which we talked about EPA, the unintended consequences here is people aren't really going to put an effort in it. They're, they're, they're just going to give a response. And so I think you want the people you want to respond are ones that you want to do the work or ones that have the capability of doing the work, Roger. And you take uh, another system GSA has, which is full and open, so to speak, is eBuy, which it puts a requirement out there. And, and all these companies get it, and, and eBuy, which is fine, you know, gets on average about three three responses. And that's and that's considered competition anyway. But, I mean, it's if they went full and open and you get one response, in some cases people say, hey, you know, we went full and open and we got one response, so we're good. So, I mean, people are looking at this thing. It's like putting another hurdle up. We talk about hurdles. Hurdle, this is the 75% hurdle. Right. And so – you know, you got to be fit to get over that hurdle seventy-five percent of the time. I mean, and you're asking them to incur time and energy and resources to where it's not benefiting anybody. You're you're making that. I think you're making an evaluation factor. And so, don't you know? Let the market let the market work work, and that will benefit the government far better in that in that regard. Yeah, I, I mean, I. You- yeah, you know, it's a great summation of it. I mean, really, at the end of the day, you know, what you're asking of of industry is to submit proposals and spend money on things they have no interest in bidding on because they have to meet a arbitrary requirement yeah. to compete for certain things. But the flip side of it too is that customer agencies will now be spending money, evaluate and time evaluating proposals that companies haven't that have submitted not because they want to but because they have to um so, again to yes. your point is it, it you know it should rise on the underlying requirement and competition in the market for that requirement as opposed to some sort of artificial you know mirage of competition uh in many ways so so to your point, if you don't mind, Roger, we talk about streamlining. So what industry will do here in some cases, they'll, they'll streamline a template and just yes. keep using the template to, to offset their costs and to meet a requirement, which is the unintended consequence. But that's what the government would be forcing on them, something yeah. similar to that. Yeah, and so, and I've heard it called the show proposal or something yeah. like that, right? So, yeah. I mean, yeah. how does that make any sense? It just yeah. doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, so anyway, so the last topic for the show, um, and it's something that's been around for a while. I think it's like, you know, it's the evolution from strategic sourcing, um, you know, the program, you know, to you know, trying to create preferences and decision trees for contracting programs and agencies when they're buying. And that's best in class contracts, um, you know, and, you know, one of the interesting things I've started 
hearing more and more is companies saying not necessarily your you know more sophisticated or bigger companies who understand the market maybe a little bit better, but um, this idea that you know uh, we are a best in class company because we are on a best in class contract, and I'll <laughs> talk about unintended consequences. That's one that, you know, I've just started hearing more recently. Folks probably have been hearing it for the last few years, but yep. it just came across yep. my desk. Um, so we got about two minutes left. Yep. Um, yeah, real, real, real quick on that. So to your point, you have a, a, a company that will be best in class because they do have one of the contract, one of the contract or has a contract on their program that OFPPs determine is best in class. But that, that company internally has other contracts that, that haven't been, Engaged by best in class, and it's like the, the company is the company. I mean, so it's it. You, know, you can't. Again, the government. There's a good intention here, but <laughs> if you're going to do that, then make the company best in class. Don't make the program best in class. It's just, it, they're contradicting themselves. Is all I can say. You're, you're you're building this false pretense is that you're only a good if you work on if you're in this company you're only you're only best in class if you if you work when you do work under this contract but you may be doing work for the same agency on another contract so you're not best in class i mean it, it sets up a standard here that i think should be looked at should be looked at again yeah you know there's there always were priorities in the far uh, you know addressing what contracts you should use first and you know i i, I don't know why those you know, what 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 was found that why they weren't working i mean it's all part i think of category management and that sort of thing but um right you know, you know, I, I know we I know you're on this but so yeah. next time whenever we do this just remind me of color banding and I'll, I'll i'll be glad to share an example of having been in government having been mandated to do what this is and what and what the result was so this will be that would be a fun discussion Right, so you're telling me this has sort of happened before. It's like sort of like that poster, right? Color band. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, Bill, thanks for being on the show. Appreciate sure. it. Thank you. Uh, I want to thank my guest, Bill Gormley, He's the president of the Gormley Group and chair of the Coalition for Government Procurement. I'm Roger Waldron, and you've been listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.